Lloyd Auerbach. He is director of the Office of Paranormal Investigations and has been in the field of parapsychology for close to 40 years, focusing on parapsychological education and field investigation. And he has a whole lot of books, uh, Psychic Dreaming, uh, Mind Over Matter, and uh, recently reprinted his uh, first book, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeists, a a parapsychologist handbook. But I thought maybe the most impressive thing that he's ever done was he handled quite handedly the ladies on The View with their crosstalk and (laughs) and quick-fire questions. He couldn't even get a word in. It was pretty amazing how he handled that. Lloyd, well done on The View. Well done, buddy. Thank you very much. It comes from having worked in a company that was mostly women. <laughs> okay, I can. I'm not. I'm not touching that. I'm not touching it. No, uh, it's just uh, de- dealing with a lot of people. Cross talking is something that I learned to do yeah. um, actually in life. Just dealing with a lot of people doing cross talk. Sure, sure. Well, here we go. A lot of questions for you. Has it been a busy day? Is this a weird time of the year? With Halloween, everybody wants to talk to Lloyd Auerbach. Uh, this year's been kind of quiet, which is good for me. Yeah, uh, it, just, it varies. You know, there's so many amateur ghost hunting groups out there that uh, make wild claims, and they just capture the attention of, of journalists and other people. Just don't don't really find out who they actually are until they do the interviews. So we don't get as many of these. Uh, we don't get as many case calls, nor as many uh, interviews because of that. One of the things that I think people get right off the bat with you is that you're not about the shtick. You know, you're not about the, even though you are a magician of sorts. That's, that's kind of a parallel career to being, I was, I used to be a magician, but I got better. So <laughs> um, I, uh, it's, it's kind of a parallel career to being a parapsychologist, and it helps me enormously in understanding people's psychic experiences. So a mentalist does what? We do mind reading, prediction, psychic type or psychological type um, effects that we're doing. So we're entertaining with the mind. And is what? Geez, now I've got even more questions. I wish you'd never told me this. The um, the crossover between mentalist and hypnotist. Can a mentalist do hypnotist stuff? Can a hip is a hypnotist also a mentalist? Well, hypnotist is tech, it can be considered a psychic entertainer. And, uh, the organization I've been president of, the, the Psychic Entertainers Association, which is international, does have hypnotists in it. Uh, some folks who do hip, stage hypnosis also do mentalism or psychic, other psychic entertainment. And some psychic entertainers might dabble a little bit in stage hypnosis, but it's not necessarily the same thing. And, and I, for example, I don't do any hypnosis in any of my shows. No, no. Um... Who has the best reputation, mentalists, hypnotists, mediums, or psychics? I think it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, uh, mediums are very popular these days. You know, come kind of come in cycles, and that's what the Forever Family Foundation deals with. We deal, uh, we support the work of spirit mediums and the family grieving process, and also support the research, the scientific research on all forms of uh, experiences related to life after death. And I think mediums, uh, my experience with psychics and mediums is that the mediums I've worked with and known, although there definitely are exceptions, have been very down-to-earth people who have really generally good people skills, because technically they're dealing with people living or dead, whereas some psychics or many psychics kind of come at this from so many different angles and directions with so much baggage from uh, either traditions, various traditions they have, or what they've learned from books. Uh, it gets very muddied. And then, of course, you have the fortune tellers who fall into the psychic uh, oh, label man. as well. I didn't know. I forgot about the fortune cookies. Um, okay. 
I, we had a listener write in on our Facebook page, and Ruby asked this question. Does talking to my deceased family members as a way of coping with grief count as, quote, communicating with the dead? If that is the case, then yes, maybe it is my imagination more than belief in the paranormal, but it, it sorry, actually, she's responding to a question which we asked, which was, have you ever experienced anything paranormal? Do you believe in aliens, ghosts, communicating with the dead? And, and especially on this station and with the context of this show, you know, there are verses in the Bible that say, hey, don't be doing this stuff. And so she makes this good point and says, um, maybe it's my imagination more than belief in the paranormal, but it is easier to process the loss of a loved one if I can still talk with them. What evidence do we have that our loved ones aren't as close as conversation? How far away is heaven in most people's thoughts and beliefs? Why not ease the pain of death this way? And I don't think you need to spend money on a psychic to connect with them either. If I can believe that God, who made the universe and everything and everyone in it, dwells in me, it's not a big stretch to believe that my family can come for a visit once in a while. What do you think of that comment, or those comments? That's an interesting, interesting thing. First of all, people talk to their deceased loved ones all the time. It's only communication if you get something back. Right. You know, people go to cemeteries, and they'll visit the, 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 the plots, the graves of their, their family, and they will talk. And that is a, is, can be a good way of coping. But at the same time, you know, uh, while there's very, unfortunately, very little literature in grief psychology, it's, it's a very specialized area. Uh, there have been clinical studies that shown that mediums, working with clinicians especially, can be a really positive thing for people f- from a grief perspective. On the other hand, there are people who just can't let go because they have other issues. Maybe they feel guilty for some reason about why the about how the person died or why the person died or what was going on, uh, and they need to seek other kinds of counseling. So it just really depends on. The, per, the individual uh, and how they're looking at that communication, it should, and that it should never become the be all end all of their day. Right, right. You know, in any I, way, shape, or form. I think earlier I was getting to a point that I want to, I don't think I got to, and I want to come back to it, which is that you, Lloyd Auerbach, are known to be a very rational person in this industry. It's not about the shtick. It's not about the flash and the, you know, whatever. You're just, you seem so stinking level-headed. And I've met a lot of people in your field, and there's such a stage thing. Well, you know, you've, you're part of this whole, the whole stage yeah. thing, but you come at it from a really chilled, it's almost like you're Canadian. You're so chilled. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Hopefully you guys will be giving us political asylum at some point, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Somebody needs need asylum, yeah. May need it, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I've always taken a common-sense approach, and part of this is that I come at this field, and most of my colleagues are also very rational, uh, the folks in the field of parapsychology, as opposed to that whole huge developing group of people who call themselves the paranormal community. Right. And because they're basing all their stuff generally on TV these days, not even on stuff that they've read. So we're coming at this from a a scientific but also a common-sense perspective, and I really do try to come at at it that way. So it's kind of important to to really look at that beyond the surface and beyond the folklore, because there's an awful lot of folklore, especially from popular culture. Mm. And part of 
my background because my family was in television. So I kind of grew up in popular culture, and I read science fiction and comic books and all that, and I know all the stereotypes and the folklore that has been propagated in, in movies and television over the years. So I have to look past that, and even most of my colleagues who are not even pop culture literate do know that as well, that they have to get past what people are telling right, them right right up front well you know this this rational th- part of my brain that i've had for so long i you know i can remember back and i just shared this story i think last week tim uh when okay. I, we were setting things up for this show <clears throat> lloyd i i grew up in a funeral home and i i remember having to go get I, you, you know where i'm going with this tim I, I had to go get my ball hockey equipment one day <laughs> and it was freezing outside and in order to get my ball hockey equipment it was in the garage if i didn't want to go outside i had to walk around the other way and go through the embalming room first in, then into the garage. And when I was in the embalming room, I would be, I don't know, eight years old or something like that. Uh, I remember there were two bodies in there laying on the table and had the white sheets on them. And I was, you know, curious eight-year-old kid, whatever. I finally stopped and went, huh, I'm going to stare at these bodies for a bit. And one guy in the table, uh, well, one was a guy and the other one was a lady. And I remember looking at the lady and, okay, no worries. And the, you know, I'm looking at the dead guy. And then all of a sudden I look back at the lady and her head is now turned towards me. She's not staring at me. She's not talking to me. But her head is turned towards me. Now, I look back in that and go, well, as an eight-year-old, maybe your head was already that way and I just didn't pick up yeah. on it, right? That's correct, yeah. You know, it's a problem. Perception's a really tricky thing. It's one of the things I did learn. One of the reasons I actually got into magic was that we were kind of pushed that direction in our graduate studies because perception can be played with in many, many different ways. And learning kind of the, the psychology of deception that you get from being a magician and certainly from being a mentalist allows you to understand how people misunderstand, misconstrue, misidentify, misperceive the things that are around them. And so you have to really kind of cut through that. Mm. It's one reason why when I only have a single witness telling me telling me what's going on, that one witness we have to really vet a lot more than if we have multiple witness cases just because it's one person, one perception, and there may be a lot of non-paranormal things going on for them that they've misconstrued. Okay, um... Something I uh, I wasn't sure I was going to talk about on the show today because I don't want, well, to be honest, I don't want to get in trouble by, by by the management or by the listeners ratting on me and telling them I'm going to hell because I did this. But I have a friend of mine who hosted an event with a medium, and I decided to go. My whole life I've been warned away in the Jesus tribe to just you know, have nothing to do with divination as a scripture verse and and uh, and mediumship is would be one of those you know speaking with the dead and that kind of thing and um, but I went and it was a small group of people and we sat around and this medium did her thing and oh you know I I feel like something you know there's an old lady here and she's telling me this and you know whatever they do and so I have my normal yeah 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 inside thoughts going on and on and on and if you if you spout out enough stuff you know is there is does bob mean anything to anybody here no how about how about steve does that okay how about ralph does it you know eventually you'll hit a name and someone goes yeah you know my dog's name was wilbur um but she did this thing with me near the end and she she said i'm i've got a a, a lady um shorter and she's got really bad abdominal problems and um, and she's saying to you, Drew, that you, um, basically stuff like, um, stop beating yourself up. I, I, I've, I love you more now than I ever have. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're going, oh, 
wow. Because I have a huge issue with my my mom died the same night my son was born, and uh, and I and she never really saw me get my life together. Not that my life is together, but she, you know I was a real jerk, worser than I am now. Real word. And uh, and then and then she said, "Were you listening to rap music in your car recently?" And I have my iPhone with me. And and every time I turned my car on, it went right to the Bluetooth of my iPhone. And Eminem's what's his song? Um, the number one song everyone knows him for. Uh, Slim Shady. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no that's not it. Anyway, what, whatever it is, she says she says the name of the song and and uh, and the rap. I don't even know the rappers. What's it? What's it? Eminem. Eminem. Yeah. I'm not even right. So I listen to it casually, but this song always comes on in the last two weeks prior to seeing this medium and she right. goes has that song have you been listening to that song so that was enough for me to go whoa, whoa. then she says are balloons part of your life and like i i, I love surprising people with balloons like just a ton of not just a balloon but like 70 balloons i love doing that kind of stuff and then she said something about grandchildren and that you should bring balloons uh to them to them anyway lots of inside stuff right and my question I hope he's still there, Lloyd. Yeah, I'm please, here. I'm please, here. Please help I'm here. me. Please help me process this because, you know, when you're in one of these situations, I found myself as skeptical as I am, wanting to grab on to something that she was saying, even if it was a Canadian polite thing to make her feel better and go, oh, yeah, yeah, right, okay, right. yeah. My mom's middle name started with an H. Maybe that's the connection. I don't know that kind of stuff. But, but would you say, well? Yeah, I guess I'm asking you if you thought that was, do you think that was my dead mother? <laughs> well, I can't tell you if it was dead mother because the whole car thing is as likely to be just the media, the individual getting psychic information as anything else. So the thing to know is that mediums are using a psychic ability. All, everybody, you know, everybody has a little bit of psychic ability. All mediums are psychic, but not all psychics have mediumistic abilities or are able to communicate with apparent spirits. Right. So... Many mediums actually have kind of a mix of communication and picking up information about the person that they're having a conversation with. So that, that and the whole rap thing, the music thing seems to be more of that than your deceased relative spying on you in the car. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, and by the way, this psychic, you know, I'm uh, sorry, this medium is a, a lovely lady. Her name is Jana Abra. And uh, she she sent a message to the lady that was hosting this event and said, J tell Drew that his mother followed me home. And my first thought was, why the heck didn't my mom follow me home? Yeah. Do you have an answer for that? I need no, an you'd have to ask. You'd have to ask that person. Oh, Lloyd. You know, here's the thing. You know, people are asking me this all the time. They send me uh, pictures. They send me this, and they say, was that my dead mother? Was that my dead father? Yeah. Like, I have no idea. No, no, no. I mean, if, if I took a picture of somebody peeking through a window or somebody sent me a picture of somebody peeking through a window and it was a little fuzzy and they asked me who was that, how in the world could I possibly identify who that was? I mean, if you couldn't identify who that was, yeah. you know, taking a picture out of your house, how in the world could I do that? I'd have to be psychic. Or a medium, and I'm neither one of those things. What, what I want to know is why can't the uh, the signs or the the information that's coming through? Why isn't it more clear? You know, why is it always okay, oh so somebody with the name H or whatever? I don't know. It's not always that, and it just depends on the individual medium and their perceptual process. You know, in some respects, um, being psychic is a kind of a it's a similar to something called synesthesia. 
which is a bleed over of the of one sense to another. So people who have synesthesia are they may actually see color when people are speaking because their perception is actually taking the sound and also converting it into colors. Or they may hear smells. So they may get a sound if they're smelling something in particular. Perception's not about our senses. Perception is the data we get from our senses that gets processed in our mind, in our brain, <clears throat> into visual and auditory and other kinds of signals. And the problem with mediumistic communication is it's telepathic. It's purely mental which means that whatever the information is, they may process it as images or sounds or Mm -hmm. smells. Mm -hmm. And there are mediums who can get very specific information. Uh, Last month I was uh, working with a medium up in uh, northern New York, northwestern New York, in in the Lilydale area by the name of Joe Scheel. And Joe is, besides being a medium, he's a spirit artist, meaning that when he's actually having his sessions and sees your, your dead grandmother, he will actually draw a picture of that person, the person he sees, not just provide the information. And what's amazing is either at that moment, that time, and I've seen sessions with him, or later on they send a picture of that deceased relative, and it is the person that he drew. That's whack. That's, 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 that's a whole new level right there. It's evidential mediumship, and that's one of the things that we look for, both the Forever Family Foundation, and it's one thing that the Winbridge Institute in Tucson, Arizona, has been doing with their research mediums. They found highly evidential mediums who could provide specific information so that they could use them in controlled experiments. Okay, okay. I've got to say, here's the thing, like from the Christian ethos, that mindset, uh, you know, you have all these, uh, the, the Christians that will say, well, I don't believe in it. And and you say, well, what do you mean? Well, I, I, I believe that the people involved in this medium stuff and psychic stuff and hypotherapy and whatever, um, I believe they think it's real. But Christians theologically or doctrinally will will sort of pin all of this stuff on Satan or the enemy of God and demonic distraction or imitation. In other words, the enemy of God is is coming across like it's your dead mother in order to distract you or you know get you to think about other things other than Jesus or that kind of a deal. Yeah. And and um, and then I'm thinking about you know the rationality behind whether this stuff is true or not. You can place the same kind of rationality on on the Christian belief system. Um, like, for example, yeah. Occam's Razor, you know, it's funny, I just had this conversation with a philosopher friend of mine, Occam's Razor is sort of saying that the simplest answer to everything is probably the answer. And then Pascal's wager saying, well, whether there's a God or not, you should probably live your life like there is a God, because if there is a God, bonus points, and if there's not a God, you've lived a good life. That's kind of the thinking behind that. So you combine those two things together, and, you know, you have to start looking at what version of the Bible are you using to justify your, your beliefs, too, because there are multiple versions of the Bible going back all the way. Right. And think there have been changes and different translations. And, you know, I, when you come at this, and I come at this at a very cross-cultural perspective, I have an undergraduate background in anthropology, and everyone's right and no one's right. When it comes right down to it, it's whatever overlay you put over it. Right. I do not, I'm not Christian. Um, I grew up in a Reformed Judaism family, and actually technically these days I call myself a Jedi or Jedist, um, because that's that's really how I come at most of this. And we, you know, in science you keep religion out of it, you kind of have to. And, And yet, I've never seen any evidence of anything demonic or evil other than perhaps 
evil people. And I'm talking about living people, not just dead people. Yeah. So bullies are, to me, you know, about as evil as it gets. They're, they're, and we actually don't see as much in the reported paranormal stuff other than people's perception that because they saw a ghost, it must be evil. I had a case where um, a family was seeing a guy who they couldn't hear, and they, and they said the ghost looked really frustrated and almost mad that he was talking and they couldn't hear him. And it was a family of four. They all saw him. And the night before that I went out there with a medium, uh, we went out the next day, uh, apparently he, this, this ghost appeared at the top of the stairs. The father of the family got so freaked out, he turned and ran and hit his head on the wall. He knocked himself out. And Don't. the woman said, his wife said, the kids were laughing. And she said it was almost like the old cartoons. You could almost imagine those little birdies gonna, going around around his head. Yeah, and as he's sitting on the ground, he goes... Yeah, pretty much. And, and apparently the ghost, she said the ghost looked mortified. And when he woke, when he came out of it, when he came to, because he, he didn't have a, he had a mild concussion, as it turned out. As he came to, he said, the ghost threw me into the wall, which of course caused the kids to laugh even more. Oh, gee. He got freaked out. He ran into the wall. This is what we see all the time. We start asking questions. The ghost didn't push you down the stairs. The ghost was at the bottom of the stairs. How could the ghost have pushed you down the stairs? You fell down the stairs because you got freaked out. So, and they immediately say that that ghost is evil because of that, because of these things. Yeah. That's, that's nothing. And then on the other side, from the ghost hunter perspective, there's a lot of reports of ghost hunters who are doing electronic voice phenomena who get these um, growly voices or just a voice yelling, get out. And they immediately assume that that's a demon, except for the fact that if you start asking the ghost hunters what, what happened from the moment they walked in the house, they started yelling at the ghost, telling him to do stuff. And, of course, any reasonable individual at that point would tell them to get out. Right. Right. Man, uh, we are <laughs> on, on the line with uh, Lloyd Auerbeck. I'm pronouncing your name right. Auerbeck? Auerbeck is right. Okay. That's right. Lloyd Auerbeck, uh, parapsychology. He's a director of the Office of Paranormal Investigations, president of the Forever Family Foundation. What the heck is that? Like, I know, but I want you to tell our yeah. listeners. So that's a, it's a, non, it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is free to join. Uh, it was started by folks who lost their daughter in a, in a car accident, and through um, a medium who was talking to their neighbor, the daughter started coming through. It took a while to convince Bob Ginsburg, who's one of the founders, that it was actually his daughter, because he was a skeptic. But he was convinced, and a number of other people came who had similar experiences with their families. They found that the medium's work was incredibly helpful in their grieving process. So they wanted to connect reliable mediums, and they actually created a certification process with some, some researchers, uh, reliable mediums with a good ethical background who could be connected with families who need some help. They also, we also have a number of clinicians who are involved uh, in the organization, and the organization grew really quickly to support the, re the work of researchers who are looking at mediumship from a scientific perspective, looking at reincarnation from a scientific perspective, and apparitions, ghosts, those kinds of things from a scientific perspective. So it supports mediumship work, uh, mediums, and also the other. Uh, and, but it, it, we only certify mediums who make it through a process. They have to yeah. be tested and... Lloyd, the electronic devices that you guys use, you know, you see them on the TV shows and the meters. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> would you know, okay, then, so that exasperation in your voice means what? It means that most of the people on TV don't know what they're doing. With those, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that equipment 
as far as we can tell, doesn't really do anything. Um, certainly doesn't do what they say. You know, uh, we started out using things like uh, EMF detectors, detecting electromagnetic fields, temperature sensors. Most of the equipment that's used reliably in science is nothing to do with detecting a ghost. It is used to detect changes in the environment when people have an experience of a ghost or a haunting. Right. So we're, we're trying to, I guess you could say we're trying to see what's going on in the environment, kind of like you have a very still lake and there's an invisible boat on the lake and you can't see the boat, but you can see the wake of the boat. So that's what we're trying to detect, is if there are any changes that correlate or connect to people's experiences. On the TV shows, they took that, and of course they ran with it. They, people have created these really flashy devices, which they'll slap a label on, like, you know, ghost box or something. And they're not knowledgeable, A, in the electronics, and what, could, what else could affect those things. Uh, one of the most commonly used EM field meters is the K2 meter, which if there's a cell phone on anywhere in the room, it's going to affect the K2 meter. Uh, some of the other devices will actually be affected by human beings who give off electromagnetic fields. Living people give off that sort of thing. So uh, we see these devices being developed because people are making money out of them. They're trying things with sometimes with new technology, but there's no way to say that they're detecting a ghost because they haven't even vetted these, doc these devices for other influences besides perhaps the paranormal. Right. Um Earlier in the show, we were chatting with uh, Christopher Chacon, mm -hmm. and uh, you and he have worked together in the past and know each other quite well. And I, I watched a YouTube video of him walking around with one of these devices and the needle going one way or infrared, yeah. some kind of a camera that showed the cold spots and the warm spots and that kind of stuff. So are you saying that the stuff he uses is bunk as well, or everybody who no, uses that stuff? Or Well, first of all, when you see it on TV, i, I got to tell you, I, I've done some TV segments where they have just basically cut off what I was saying as I was explaining what, what it was doing, and of course it ends up looking, looking like we're detecting a ghost because I'm getting very excited about the reading, and then five seconds later I said, oh, damn, it's, it's actually the, um, you know, the wiring in the house. I found more bad wiring of these devices, and I'm, I'm sure Chris has also. Yeah. And with the thermal vision camera where you see the, the, the heat residue and things like that, that happened, you know, sometimes there was one segment I think that Chris did which I know that, I mean, he knew what was going on. It just didn't air that way, where it was the, foot, it was the footsteps of the actual camera guy that was ca were causing the hot spots. <laughs> or somebody who put their hand on the wall, and now suddenly you have a hot hand-looking thing on the thermal vision. And, you know, if they just show those, and they use a different bit of narration from yeah. Chris, me, whoever else, yeah. of course it looks like we're saying these things are detecting ghosts. But that's television. Um, what, what do you believe? I believe that people survive the death of their bodies, that human, human consciousness can survive the death of the body, and in some circumstances, not all, can stick around and at what we would call, call ghosts. It's pretty rare, actually. Uh, and it, it does look to me like there is an afterlife and that people can communicate back through individuals we call mediums. From, from time to time. Uh, not everybody comes through, and not every com the people you want to come through don't always come through, but the evidence is there. It's been there for quite some time. Uh, we have a huge amount of evidence. There's a book called Surviving Death by Leslie Keene, which is a really great summary. It's a journalist who did a, a multi-year study looking at all the evidence for life after death and the different forms of it. So I do believe that. And the thing I also believe, though, is, and what I've seen, is that the majority of what people call ghosts are more kind of imprinted 
events in the environment or emotions in the environment. We would, what they call on TV residual hauntings. Uh, places pick up information somehow, and we then pick up the information, kind of play it back in our heads. And it's not that you're dealing with conscious beings. And yes, you will see nasty things like a murder or a battle or something like that, because those things actually happened in that location in the past, but nothing is still around to hurt you. You know, in the same way that uh, faith healers, and I use that in very heavy parenthesis, I, I would say to someone like Benny Hinn, dude, if you can heal people, first of all, fix your hair. <laughs> yeah, hire a stylist. Hire a stylist, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but, but, you know, if, if, if these faith healers are, are legit, then they should have no physical ailments themselves. And now I, I throw this sort of across to you, and I say, well, in the world you live in and the stuff you do, who have you lost? Uh, who, who in your life have you loved and they've died? And can you hang out with them regularly? Because that's the, isn't that one of the main points of people being, dude, loss is horrible. Grief is, is uh, and if it's really the end, oh my goodness, it's torturous. And some say that's why we came up yeah. with religion, because we cannot, as humans, uh, handle the finality of death. And so, right. and so, Lloyd, because who you are and who you're connected with, you must have lost a loved one, and do you hang out with them regularly? So my, my dad died in 20, 2006, and I actually was at the hospital um, in ICU when they finally, you know, declared him dead when they pulled the, pulled the plug. His, his organs were failing. Um, and I felt his presence there. And actually, when my mother and my brother and I walked into the waiting room, this was at 5 o'clock in the morning, to wait for my brother David to drive up from Brooklyn. This is in Upper Westchester County, New York. Uh, the TV came on by itself. Um, this was not at 5 o'clock. It was a few minutes after. The TV came on by itself and then changed channels to a sports channel. <laughs> Shut up. Now, no, this is true. And my father was a sports producer for NBC uh, and then independently afterwards. So that happened. Now, I did, did see a medium after that, but good friend, somebody I was working with, Annette Martin, who was a medium I worked with regularly, and I had her, you know, I had a session with her and my dad, and it was a really good session. And my father's come through a few other mediums without my even intending to have anybody come through, because I usually go and observe these sessions. Right. Uh, and with specific information also, um, as, as has a mentor of mine from the 1990s, a guy who died in 97 by the name of Martin Caden who was, among other things, the creator of the $6 million man through his book, Cyborg. Um, so I, I've had these experiences. Um, I don't generally feel them around me, uh, but they have come through a few times here and there through meetings, again, unsolicited yeah. uh, in circumstances. Uh, but the person, I, I can say, not a loved one, but one of my cases, which is a long-standing case that I've been dealing with uh, since 91, the restaurant here in the Bay Area, the ghost has been seen with me by people, not just mediums, other people, at some of the events that I've done when I've been lecturing and such. And I do feel her presence around sometimes. So um, Annette, used to, Annette Martin used to say that she was my spirit girlfriend. <laughs> not, that I get any, not that I get anything out of it. No, no, no. It's rather one-sided, actually. Yeah, we've seen, all that. We've seen that scene in Ghost. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, let me finish with this this uh, question. It's not a real heavy thing. I just happened to realize I looked at my notes and thought, oh, I haven't asked this one yet. So, um, Hollywood has never really helped foster a healthy understanding of demonic theology. And, and I spoke earlier about uh, Father Gary Thomas being on my show and in his uh, life story and journey. It was inspiration for the movie The Right and the book. 
and uh, you know the people that I speak uh, to in this world who work in exorcisms and uh, Tim, what do the evangelicals call it? Um, not exorcisms, but um, uh, cleansing. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't uh, thingamajiggy. Bonding, binding of spirit. I don't oh, know. That's what are, it, yeah. No, there's another. Anyway, uh, they say that the Hollywood stuff doesn't help because it just makes people think a certain way and then they... Casting away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with you then, Lloyd, I can imagine there'd be a similar thing uh, that Hollywood... Well, let me ask you, has Hollywood helped or hindered your world? I have to say that horror films have generally hindered uh, and caused... Because people, when you have a visceral reaction, fear especially you take it on as a belief, it seems, a little bit more than if it's just, if you're laughing. Uh, Hollywood, in all of its history, has done a much better job of portraying ghosts accurately in comedies and dramas, like the movie Ghost, uh, portraying people's experiences in comedies and dramas, almost never in horror. So that's definitely hindered things, because people have an expectation. Even the paranormal TV shows, the ghost hunting shows, make things spooky and scary, you know, I don't know anyone in my field who's ever run screaming like a little girl from a, a, a building or on an investigation, no matter what happens. Now, I'm, I might have a start if a spider jumped on my back, but it wouldn't yeah. be because of anything paranormal, certainly. Yeah. And we would be looking for the other explanation. So it, it's hurt in that, that certain circumstance, certainly. I just uh, I just realized the word is deliverance ministries deliverance ministries no not that kind of deliverance oh, okay, sorry. somebody squealing like a pig Burt Reynolds running by with his mustache um, you are, it's what a, I just have really enjoyed this conversation Lloyd thank you so much let me just give everyone the website again mindreader.com is a good place to go to uh, the Church of Jediism is a whole nother subject that we didn't even touch on. Yeah, and it's not even really a church. It was, uh, he shouldn't really use that word, but it's a philosophy more than anything else. Right, it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek there. Fair enough? Right. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. It's kind of like the flying spaghetti monster stuff. You know? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. I got you. I got you. Um, Lloyd, I, I just would love to have you back on the show again in the future, and thank you so, so much for being such a level-headed dude in an industry of whack jobs. Thank you, Drew. Happy to come back. Okay, take care, Lloyd. Bye-bye.